welcome to today's edition of the Record Rangers podcast. I'm Gavin Berry. Once again, I'm joined by Sunday News Chief Football Writer Scott McDermott and Andy Newport of the Press Association. Good morning to you guys. Morning, Gav. Morning, Polly's. How are you? Good. I'm sure today you will know the realise the significance of the today's date, um, the third uh, year anniversary of Stephen Gerrard being appointed as Rangers manager. I was watching an interview with him this morning. He was talking about how he'd asked Jurgen Klopp before he um, before he got into management, even before he took the Rangers job, asking him for any key bits of advice. And he said, you know, always be balanced. You know, there'll be highs and lows. And Stephen Gerrard said, I mean, that's certainly been the case in those three years. Now, you two have... You know, I think you were at you were certainly at the unveiling, weren't you, Scott? And were, yep. you, were you at his unveiling as well? Uh, yeah, I was actually in the track side. Is that right? Filming a wee bit of a wee bit of video when he sort of went out to greet the fans as well. Yeah. So yeah. sure you were in the enclosure, Andy, no? Oh, stay, steady, steady. <laughs> and you know, I mean he talked about those highs and lows. I mean it, and it has been a roller coaster, you know. But let's touch on the most recent event first, you know, Sunday's old firm win. 4-1, I mean, it was, a, it was a kind of comfortable win. That in itself just sums up the transformation, doesn't it? I mean, I remember being at the game at Celtic Park um, just around, just, just a few days before it was announced. Yeah, four, four or five days before. <laughs> yeah, it was referred to last week. But I mean, if you take that point, that game, and then compare it to Sunday, you know, what a transformation in those three years, isn't it? Is that is that the game the game at Parkhead? Is that you talking about the game where Celtic won the league? Yeah, seven in a row, seven in a row, five in a win. I mean, it was just it was it was just at the lowest of the low. I mean, Graham Murty did not. Yeah. I was at the game, and Graham Murty did not even come out to address the media. He was shell shocked in the dressing room that day. Nah, I, I think I think you're right. I think when you talk about the big picture with Gerard and the progress that they've made, that's. No, that's as clear a sign as any in terms of the development of this Rangers team, the development of the club. Um, no, that that three-year progression. Gerard, I think, said at the start that it might it might take three years. I think that was his initial contract. It was almost like a three-year project, although we you know managers probably hate those or hate that word. Um, but you're right, Gav. When you think about how low Rangers were at that point, how far away Celtic were. I mean. For Rangers fans, it must have felt like they were never going to win a trophy again. Never mind win a, never mind win a title and get back on top to a Celtic again. So you're right. You look at Sunday's game, just how far ahead Rangers are now. The job that Celtic have got to try and somehow catch up. I mean, an unbeaten season against Celtic. Uh, no, in terms of the Old Firm games, so it's it's been incredible. And I think no. <laughs> Can have a, you can be a wee bit naughty at times, you no know, social media and you talk about Gerard or one trophy in nine, you no, know, is it is it really good enough? But of course, you no, know, he would have liked a bit more silverware, but you do need to look at the bigger the bigger yeah. picture. You need to look at where Rangers were. Yeah. You need to look at how things have improved, you no, know, off the pitch as well, but mainly on the pitch in terms of the the squad that he's assembled, the value of that squad, the style of play, the system. Um, no, everything that, that Gerard and his coaching team have put in place, it's been, it's been quite a turnaround. Yeah, I mean, see, if, see if you look back to to that point, just talking about that old firm game before Gerard's appointment. I mean, <laughs> it was such a turning point, not just for the club but for the board especially, because at that point, 
it was you know the fans were almost in the verge of mutiny. You know, Dave King was starting to come under some real pressure at that point. Fans were asking questions about the direction of the club, and yeah. you know, I think the point that Stephen Gerrard was really make or break for the club because if it hadn't worked, then yeah. I think there would have been serious questions asked about the leadership of the of the club and where it was going. But as you say, I mean, just yeah, it's been a gradual process, but there's been clear progression. You know, at every stage, basically, you can see that there was improvement. You could see that the club was finally heading in the right direction. And, you know, obviously, Sunday's this sort of culmination of, of that progress where you can now say and go, well, Rangers are clearly the, the absolute dominant force in Scotland. You know, they wiped the floor with Celtic. You know, it's, uh, you know, it, it was, it's hard to believe just how big a turnaround there's been in three years that, you know, a Celtic team that were all conquering have just absolutely been sort of wiped away. Yeah, because, I mean, the players talk about things. I think James Tavernier's talked about things like even like the canteen and the food and things that we don't see, but obviously, you know, the tales about and, and even um, the improvements around the sort of tunnel area. Apparently, you know, in the last couple of years, you know, just raising those standards. I mean, we probably, when we were allowed to go, I mean, you, you saw even like the... the the training ground, you know, the media just getting into that reception area and all that. I mean, presumably all that was down to him. The auditorium, you know, where we would have the press conferences and they would have their team meetings. You saw all that. He would have been behind a lot of that. I know the director of football would have had, you know, an input into how it's done, but I bet you he would have ordered that. Well, of course they would. And listen, you talk about the training ground there. I mean, it has been a while, obviously, since we were there, but you could tell, you know, when we were last there, no, the atmosphere was completely different. No, the whole place was different. Didn't it just look different? It felt different. I mean, no, back those no four or five years ago, you were turning up. I mean, the training ground was like a shell of a place. No, it was empty. There was no, there was no buzz about it. There was no, no. Everyone was just so down, and you could you could definitely pick up on that. Definitely sense it. And no, from pretty soon after Gerard arrived, you could tell there was a there was a change. I mean, whether we could have predicted three years down the line, it would be where it is now. As you say, Gav, with all the kind of uh, no, all the kind of physical changes that you can see within the within Ibrooks within the training ground, I think that's probably exceeded expectations for for supporters. But no, Gerard would have been behind that. Of course, there are other people behind the scenes that need to go and make it happen. But he, but he spoke about. He spoke about it for the off, no standards, best practice, no all those kind of all those kind of phrases in terms of where he wanted Rangers to be, and no, I think he's got them there, and he's probably got them there quicker than most is most is anticipated. Yeah, now I've been going for a piece that's going up on the website later. I've actually been looking at some of the kids. As I said to you, you mentioned earlier today, the incredible journey, the highs and the lows, and um. He was talking about coming back in pre-season. He said, I've got the quote here. He said, I want to come back in pre-season with a fair chance of being successful. Uh, that's all I ask for. And hopefully the board will support me in that. And we go again. He then goes on to talk about the Champions League and want to defend the title with our life and improve on the cup record. The Champions League is interesting. Obviously, it's a competition he is synonymous with from you know that epic final win in Istanbul. But Andy, in terms of Europe, you were in Ufa, weren't you, that night? When yeah, they, yeah, they, yeah. They, you were there, away out in deepest, darkest Russia. Nine men, I was looking back at the game, I mean, that was incredible drama to reach the Europa League group stage. But in terms of Europe, specifically, how well he's done that day and also the Champions League, what he needs and how big a thing it is 
to get into that group stage again. Yeah. I mean, Europe's really been the backbone of this mm. league triumph this season because if he hadn't of you know got Rangers through the group stage in his first season and and get access to that financial boost that it brought, then I think it would have been really hard for Rangers to keep making the the, the sort of marginal gains that they were making and. And then obviously backing up in the two subsequent seasons, the finan- I don't think the, the financial boost can be understated of what's that has been able to just allow Rangers just, even in those first two seasons, just to keep on Celtic's coattails. Mm-hmm. And then now, as you say, looking ahead to next year, if they can get into that Champions League group stage, you know, was it a 20 or a £30 million boost? I mean, we all know that the club's had its financial issues over the last few years. Um, if you can go and get a £30 million windfall, I mean, you know, they've obviously spoken about the need to, to sell players this summer. Yeah. If they can get in there, does that mean that they can afford to perhaps keep hold of an Alfredo Morelos or a, a Glenn Kamara and they don't have to accept the first sort of offer that comes along? Yeah. Um, that, that's that's really... It, it, what Getting there... It, will mean the club's it's transformational it can make the club you know aspire to that next step you know they've obviously done well in Europe but can they can they get into a you know a, you know knockout stages of the Champions League can they get a quarter final of a, of a Europa League it's that so that's the sort of money that allows them to start planning to go to that that next step of the progression yeah because that's obviously the balance in that I mean last summer you know Everybody was sort of debating, you know, will, will, will they have to sell somebody? Will they sell somebody? You know, they kept everybody because it was such a huge season and, and that winning the league, you know, was a priority. So to be fair, you know, they, they didn't cash in. I suppose you've now got that same dilemma again because to give yourself the best chance to get into the Champions League, you need to do the same again. But it's whether you can, you know, it's whether you can do that or whether you're going to have to sell or can they keep everybody Probably not. I mean, you see this morning um, in the back page of the Daily Record, there's a story saying that, you know, they'll try and offer Ryan Kent, you know, a new contract. Obviously, there's been interest in him, you know, from Leeds. But what do you think? Do you think they will hold on to everybody, Scott? And if not, who could go? I mean, who... I don't think they'll hold on to everybody, Gav. I mean, I think Dave King uh, and Stephen Gerrard both said fairly recently that there would need to be some player trading this mm-hmm. summer. And I think that remains the case. I think you're right. Rangers did well to hold on to all their best players last summer. And they did that because of the magnitude of this season and what was at stake in terms of stopping 10 in a row. I don't think they can go another summer like that because you know, Gerard wants to strengthen. He wants to bring people in. I don't think he can keep the entire squad uh, as well as adding to it. No, I think you need to accept that no, we're in Scotland, Rangers are in a certain marketplace. Um, if big bids come in for some of the top players, Rangers, no, not just Rangers, Rangers sell to end, anyone in Scotland have to have to look at it. Um, I mean, Ryan Kent now, I think, is the one that you just cannot lose. I mean, he, to me, I said after Sunday's game, I, th- I think he now is Rangers' biggest asset. No, people yeah. would probably have said Morelos. Um, last season but Kent for me now is the one that they just they couldn't afford to lose he's the game changer he's the guy you know, that makes things happen for them um, listen I've said before on here to me the, the three big ones are Morelos Kamara and Barisic they will be the ones I think where bids will come in in the summer uh, obviously Kamara and Barisic will go to the Euros and that could have an impact on their, their value 
but I would expect at least one of those three mm-hmm. um, to be sold on, and and it will it will then come down to you know, Ross Wilson and the scouting department or recruitment department to come up with replacements. Yeah, well, just to, in terms of Morelos, Andy, when you look back at Sunday's game, obviously you know Roof kind of stole the show with the two goals. You know, what do you think about him this season? I think at sixteen for the season, four and a half million. I think they paid for him. What do you think? In ter- would that change the thinking in terms of Morelos? Could he be the guy? Has he got what it takes to fill Morelos' boots? To, to be to, to to sort of be the main frontline striker. Yeah. yeah, I mean, I think he's shown in glimpses. I mean, the 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 concern will be, and I think it was a concern obviously when they signed him is, is his injury record, and he's obviously had a few. He's had a few knocks this season. Um, spent a few weeks in the, the treatment room. Um, certainly, he's shown in glimpses. Um, I think that's probably, and there's been games where he probably hasn't been as as influential as, as Stephen Gerrard would hope. But I think again that's been sort of a product of the fact that he's he's not always had the run of games that he would like. But you know, certainly you know, the likes of the weekend there. I mean, he was he was very sharp, very very impressive. I mean. I know there'll be frustration with the likes of what he did at St Johnston, where he, you know, sort of tried that one for the halfway line and they ran up the park and, and got the penalty. I think, I, I think back to the Galatasaray game, the Europa League qualifiers, where he was, you know, maybe just you know, a, a, a you know, typical striker, a bit greedy. It was, a, it was a chance he went for a sort of ridiculous overhead when I think Kent was looking for a cutback. So these are the things that you know make you think as he as he got the the game awareness that Steven Gerrard will be looking for, but I certainly think when you look at the raw talent, the goal against Benfica, the goal against Standard Liège, uh, and, and he's doubled at the weekend, and yeah, he's, he's got the tools. It's um, it's just, you know, maybe if, if he'd been a wee bit playing more regu- regularly, they, they could have sort of got him ingrained a wee bit more into the system, the way that they want to play, but it, the, 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 the problem will be is that he's a different striker to Morelos as well, you know, you know with Morelos, if you're trouble, you can just bang the ball up to him and he's, you know, he's got that raw physicality that he can, he can hold it up and get you up the park a wee bit. It, you know, Roof's not quite the same. He's got great work rate. He's got his mm-hmm. clever movement. Um, drops deep. You know, can drop sort of out wide and, and sort of uh, sort of float inside. So he's a different type of striker. You know, perhaps that. You know, if, if that's the way they're going to go, they might have to change the way they play a wee bit next season. But these are all the things that I'm sure they'll be they'll be addressing over the summer. Yeah, I think I think they're different types of strikers. So I mean, if Morelos was to go, you know, Rangers will still need to go and get someone I think of that ilk to, to come in but what, what I'd say about Roof is I agree with Andy I think his season has you know, been pretty hampered by by injuries and, and lack of fitness and that's something that you know, will be a concern and Rangers will hope that they can you know, they can try and sort out ahead of next season but I think in the cold light of day when they look back on this title win you know, people shouldn't forget that period when Morelos was out and Roof played as the the central striker and they get some key goals and I'm thinking away to St Johnson, away to Ross County. Mm-hmm. No, and no, it was the the one. Yeah, I mean, it was home, yeah. Tough period and mm-hmm. Roof did step up to the to the mark. So I mean, I think he's got it in him. And if you can get him playing, you no know, forty games a season, he can be a huge asset for Rangers. But I still think if Morelos goes, they'd need to they'd need to sign somebody. And I thought on Sunday, I mean, we'll maybe go on to this, but. It was interesting on Sunday. I mean, it looked to me like Rangers have now kind of tinkered with their, their system a bit in terms of playing Kent 
centrally, you know, this kind of four three one two, or we know we roof and Morelos up top, and they obviously got a lot of joy for that on Sunday, and I think that clearly brings out the best in in Ryan Kent. So I mean, if that if that's an indicator, you no, know, for next season going forward, you no, know, if Morelos was to go, you no, know, whether roof's there or no, or fit or no. No, or whether anybody else is there, no, in terms of Eton and Defoe and people like that, but you would still need a replacement for Alfredo Morelos. And obviously we know that there's interest in fashion Sakala, but as we discovered eh, on here last week, no, he doesn't sound like a Morelos replacement either. No, he's all about pace and getting in behind and no being being nippy as opposed to being that kind of robust uh, central kind of focal point. So it's going to be interesting to see what they do with the, the forward area. And obviously the key thing is, you know, will Alfredo Morelos still be there or no? I, th- I think um, what you're saying there about Ryan Kent sort of playing in that number 10 role, I think that's the next evolution from him. I mean, yep. looking back even a couple of seasons ago when he was first up and loan from Liverpool, there was an occasion where Gerrard would move him inside. Uh, maybe if, if, you know, I'm thinking back to Grejder would come out and play on the, the sort of left-hand side and they would move Kent into the middle more. Um, I think that's something he's been you know, Stephen Jarrett's probably been quite eager to get. I know he's been playing a sort of, you know, tucked in number, you know, tucked in wing position, but I think to give him a proper license to be a proper number 10, I mean, you saw at the weekend, he was he was unplayable. Celtic just yep. could not get near him with his movement and he, his trickery. Um, and I think that's perhaps, you know, you know, the way you could probably see him taking his game on even further. If he can give him that license to be the playmaker, to be the out and out, you know, number ten and give him that sort of almost like a, a free role in the sense the way remember back to the way Brian Loudrup used to get with Walter Smith, you know, just that license, just go where you want, roam where you go, you know, do what you want with the ball and that that could just, you know, free him of the sort of shackles and allow him just to, you know, exploit teams with his explosive pace. I think that would be an interesting development for the next stage of his career. The other thing about that, Andy, is that that could help you keep Kent at Rangers. See, giving him that responsibility and giving him, you know, that role where he has got the freedom to go either side. And, I mean, you know, players enjoy that. Ryan Kent will love that rather than being, you know, Jenner's always tried to give him a bit of freedom for the left, but... On Sunday, you saw the real advantage of just allowing him to go central and go either side. And you no, know, I think Kent will love playing in that role. So when he's thinking about his future, you no, know, does he go down south where he's not going to maybe not going to play every week? You no, know, you know what teams are like the Premier League. You no, know, a lot of rotation. They can be in and out. You no, know, would he be stuck to the stuck to either either flank? You no, know, we a, a kind of strict job to do. I think if Gerard can give him that freedom and find this new role for him. As I say, in that kind of four three one two, then um, I think that could play a big part in Kent, you no know, wanting to stay at Rangers or stay even longer than his his current contract. I suppose the one thing you would say about Ryan Kent, uh, it's consistency. Does he do it week in week out? I mean, we all remember back to August when he started the season explosively, and he sort of tailed off a wee bit. But I think, I think, I think the thing you can say about him is that he turns up in the big games in yeah. Europe he was very good and then in old firm he's been he's been excellent this season so I mean you know he might you know have a wee dip of form might not be able to find it quite so easy to get himself up for the likes of your Hamiltons or your Kilmarnocks but you know when it comes to Celtic and it comes to the big European nights he's, he's always bang on it Yeah you know it's funny you should say that Andy because I was actually <clears throat> just looking back um, <clears throat> I was just looking back at his fixtures there or his appearances and there was 
I think he came off the bench against Antwerp, really. It was I remember in the first leg, he, was, he started that game on the bench and a few weeks yeah. before that, that's when there was a few kind of, you know, murmurings and grumbles about his performance. But he came on that night and was brilliant and hasn't looked back since. Mm. He's, Celtic, he's been phenomenal in the old firm games. When you, when you think of a lot of players that come to Rangers or Celtic and they find that fixture tough to handle, you know, or, yeah. or tough to really go and make an impact. I mean... Yeah. But Ryan Kent seems to thrive on it. And I think he, I think part of it is that he does enjoy getting a bit of space. And it's because Celtic are the one team in Scotland that will you know, play against Rangers and open up and try and have a go. And you know, you've seen it in the last few old firm games when he does get central. You no, know, when you think back even to the cup game when he when he kind of turned Scott Brown on the halfway line and he's just got acres of acres of space. Mm-hmm. I think it, I think he finds it less enjoyable and probably more difficult when it is home to Motherwell, home to Kilmarnock, and there's you no know, there's no space to get in behind and, yeah. and run at people. I think he he looks as if he really enjoys old firm games and you no know, for Rangers' point of view that's that's like gold dust because if you can find a player that that makes a difference in those fixtures, which Kent clearly does, mm-hmm. then you've absolutely want to watch. What about that wee uh, trick he pulled off and went past Greg Taylor, Scott? Is oh, that something you can? Uh, is that something that's in your locker? You got that one? I'll be trying that. Trying that the fives as soon as we get back, Andy. <laughs> I'll probably tie my tail not <laughs> You can already hear the ankles snapping for you. <laughs> and another, obviously, Ryan Kent experienced in the old firm game, as you said there. But a guy, a guy that came in for his first taste, Jack Simpson. There seems to be a bit of sort of split when you look at the comments. On his performance, I think we have to say, I mean, it was a harsh booking um, early on, so right away that makes it difficult for him. Uh, he maybe had a couple of lapses, what do you yeah. think, in the jury? I think the other thing we need to say about it, it's not like he's young, young. What is no, he no, 24, 24 no. Yeah. Uh, no, that, That's a key point, Gav, because he's no... He's not a young boy that, that you can you can say, well, he needs a bit of time to adapt and you know you need to let him set, settle in. I mean, Rangers need Jack Simpson to come in and, and hit the ground running and be a proper centre back the way you no know, Ranger the way Gerard wants his centre backs to play. I do think the jury's still out. Um I thought it was a wee bit shaky again on Sunday. I think he clearly loses ire for the for the goal, for the Edward goal. Mm-hmm. Thought it was poor defending. A couple of wee lapses in the second half as well. Um, a couple of times actually in different games I've seen him. He actually does the first part really well where he goes and wins the ball and then loses concentration a wee bit and gets kind of robbed or you know, misplaces a pass or whatever. So there are clearly rough edges to, to try and smooth over. I mean, I thought on the ball and, and in general in the game, you no, know, he looked he looked fine. He obviously gives Rangers that balance on the, the left-hand side, but... No, I, I definitely think there's still work to be done. I think Gerard will know that. He kind of looks, and this hasn't been disrespectful at all, but he kind of looks to me a bit like a Bournemouth defender in terms of, you know, would take a few chances and maybe, you know, thinking he's going to get away with stuff like that. And at Bournemouth, we know how they played. You no, know, we know how Eddie Howe's team played. You no, know, it was, it certainly wasn't based on defence, that's for sure. So I think. Jack Simpson, if he's going to be a success at Rangers, is going to need to, going to, need to tighten up his game and be a bit more solid as a as a defender. Um, but listen, it, it is still early. I mean, you'd like to, you're obviously willing to give him a pre-season um, 
away with the, with the team and then come back and next year the start of next season is when you'll really when you'll really judge them but certainly there's there's a bit of work to be done I just thought it was interesting because I thought coming into an old firm game usually you would think you would be nervous to start with and then settle into the game as it went on but it was kind of the opposite with Jack Simpson he's actually thought he started the game really really well you know went up against Edward a couple of times got, got the better of him even sidestepped him at one point and, and played a pretty decent pass and then as you say he switches off at the goal and I think that's maybe shook him a wee bit I think he's probably realised mm, that was that was Ayer was my man there I should have yeah. been on top of him and then Obviously, he gets himself in a couple of tangles with, with Edward in the second half, and lucky I think Edward squeezes one just past the post. So, um, yeah, there's uh, yeah aspects that he can be pleased with, but you know certainly areas that he can he can brush up on. And you know, as you're saying, you know, I mean, they've obviously they've signed him. Uh, I don't think there's a, there was a very small fee, wasn't there? I think involved in, in getting him up here. Um, you know, it's, it's it's one of these ones. It's it's a player that you can see some raw potential and you bring him up, take a punt on him, try and polish him up. If you can't, you know, it's no huge loss in terms of financial outlay you've, you've, you've lost on him. But if it, if it works off and you can either get a good season out of him or you can sell him on for a profit, then it's 1-1 one, one in that sense. So we're nitpicking and we're picking out small things in his game and, and scrutinising them. But ultimately, that's life at the old firm. That's life as a Rangers defender. And I think that's what he's going to have to get used to no he won't have he wouldn't have had that scrutiny uh, at Bournemouth I mean he's played in big games down there he's played against Liverpool Man City no big clubs but he won't have been scrutinised like he will be in Glasgow um, when he's playing for Rangers and I think that'll be the that'll be the key thing that'll be the thing he's probably taking for, for Sunday is that small mistakes that let's be honest you probably get away with at Bournemouth you just won't get away with at Rangers yeah I mean, we're saying that he's not that young. Um, moving on to the next topic um, is the young um, player of the year. Um, the four-man shortlist came out, Scott, from the Scottish Football Writers Association. Now, I think we always need to highlight at this point that, that unlike the PFA Scotland Award, which is voted for by the players, the Football Writers Award has to go to someone who's Scottish. Yes. Um, so before anyone says, why no, Yanis Hadji? or, you know, any, anybody else out there. Um, it's only Scottish players. But Nathan Patterson is in that four-man sh- short list, uh, Lewis, along with Lewis Ferguson, who won it last year, uh, David Turnbull and Josh Doig. The award is sponsored by the Double Tree by Hilton, and we'll know before the end of the season who's won that. Would Patterson be either of, would either of you pick Patterson from that four? Right? Yeah, I wouldn't personally. I mean, I think he's a worthy... Nominee, I know people will, will jump in the fact, you know, some already have that he's not played a lot of games, but yeah. you think of the the, the kind of the big games that he's played in, in terms of an old firm game in Europe, and mm-hmm. whenever Stephen Gerrard's called upon him this season, he certainly hasn't let hasn't let Rangers down. In fact, it's been the opposite. He's actually he's a positive impact on a team that are you know flying high at the top of the league and in and in Europe. So, listen, I think he's a worthy nominee along with those four um, he didn't get my vote I voted for Josh Doig at Hibs <clears throat> it'll be interesting to see who comes out on top I just think Doig has played I've seen him a lot this season he's played at a really consistent level for a team that's probably going to finish third in the league um, mm. hasn't missed a lot of games um, like Patterson he's not just came in 
and kind of did a job and been and been okay. He's actually added something to Hibs. I mean, Hibs had a very good left back and, and Lewis, Lewis Stevenson at the start of the season. He's knocked him out of the team and stayed there. So I think for consistency, no, consistent level of performance, Josh Doig would be my pick. But it is a, a fascinating battle. That there's arguments for for Turnbull. Uh, he's arguably been Celtic's only kind of shining light this season, even though he didn't come into the team until December. Uh, Lewis Ferguson, I think, said that had a dip this season, but has actually scored more goals than he did than he did last year. And you probably forget how young he is because of the the, the amount of games that he's played. Um, so it'll be interesting, but it, it would be Doig for me. Um, but certainly Patterson would be as, as worthy to go on the list. The other one, just before I get your view on that, Andy, actually just what else in my mind is, because um, you're a member of the committee, aren't you, Scott? Uh, yeah. Alan McCann, was Alan McCann, is he eligible and was there no. many votes for him though? No, he's no, not right. Irish now. I mean, he right, was... so, so it's just, so once you choose to play... Yeah, you have to be eligible for Scotland under-21s, basically, right. at the start okay. of the season. Now, Ali McCann had votes last year because he was eligible because he hadn't committed to a, right. a country yet. But okay. he's obviously got full caps now for Northern Ireland, so right. that, that rules him out. So it's not just Scottish-born then, you have to play for, you have to have opted to play yeah. for Scotland, right? So that's why Ali McCann would be ruled out. So I'm glad you cleared that one up because I thought he would have been one uh, that would have been... Well, he probably would have been then otherwise, wouldn't he? Oh, have, yeah, I mean, I, I think, he would, I think yeah. he would have been in there. I yeah, mean, just just like Scott, I, I voted for Josh Doig. I think the, the more sort of... I just thought he was, in terms of number of games and consistency performance, um, he was the, the sort of clear standout. I thought that the more intriguing battle was... Uh, you know, we obviously would get two votes, so uh, second place, it was you know, obviously between, I thought, Patterson just... But given yeah lack of games, but the number of big high-profile games he's played, and as you say, Scott, how well he's performed when he's been given those chances, versus David Turnbull, who's been again, you know, very good, played a few more games. Um, I, I, I went for Patterson just in the base. I think you know that Turnbull was as well as much as he's looked very good on occasions. I, th- I think there's still, I think he struggled with uh, just the fact of how. You know, it's been a really disappointing season for Celtic and a lot of this sort of onus has been placed on him and um whilst he's he's obviously a very bright talent and you know, got a huge future ahead of him, you know, I just think that certain times that the final ball, you know, isn't quite there. He's he's had fleeting moments where he's looked, you know, incredibly, you know, productive, but other moments where, you know, especially you know, if you look at the weekend there, I thought his his final ball at times, he's that penetrative pass that you're expecting a player in his position wasn't wasn't quite there. So um and I just thought that when you look at Patterson, you know, nineteen year old coming into especially who he's having to replace. I mean, that's the other thing, you know, Tavernier's such an important figure for the way Rangers play and undoubtedly if it wasn't James Tavernier ahead of him, he probably would have played a lot more this season. Um, but the fact that the way that when he has come in, you know, performance levels haven't dipped, you know, you haven't noticed there's a huge, you know, difference in the way that Rangers play when James Parson goes in, uh, sorry, Nathan Parson goes in compared to James Tavernier. So that's why in terms of my second vote, um, Patterson just just put Turnbull to that one, but uh, no, I think I think Doig's the, the clear sort of standout candidate for uh, yeah. for the young player. Okay, well, well, we might even know by the time we get together again next week. We might even know who the winner is. If not, it'll be shortly after that. But um, obviously, there's no game this weekend. Um, 
nothing until Livingston away uh, next midweek, followed by obviously that uh, big trophy day um, at home to Aberdeen on the Saturday. Uh, so, but we'll be back next week anyway. So, but thanks again for your time, guys. Um, and if you would like to get in touch with your thoughts on any of the things that we discussed today, then you can contact Scott on at Scott McDermott 8 and Andy, you're at Andy Newport PA, is that right, on Twitter? That's the one, yep, that's the one. Great stuff, okay, well listen boys, thanks for your time and we'll see you both next week.